0: All right, everybody. It is time for another episode of the Crypto 101 podcast. But before we dive in to our awesome, awesome guest and conversation today, I want to remind you guys of two things. And the first one is that if you go to Crypto101insider.com, you can join our private community. Here's where we have our model portfolio and all of our top picks. We also have a uh, Crypto 101 University. Uh, where we have hours and hours and hours of written and video content that explains blockchain and explains cryptocurrency in a very bite-sized and easy to understand way. Uh, And we have a weekly newsletter that goes out and quarterly state of crypto addresses that go out. There is just a ton of value packed into this every which way. So I want you guys first uh, to go to crypto101insider.com today uh, if you haven't already. I also want to remind you guys that Pizza Mind and I recently just finished a book. Uh, It took 11 months of our lives to write Alright, everybody, welcome back to another episode here of the Crypto 101 Podcast with your hosts Bryce, and as always, the Notorious Pizza Mind, baby. What is up over there? I heard you've been getting some really good night's sleeps recently. What's the deal?
1: Well, I've had to. That's the only thing that's keeping me alive, Bryce. As a human biped, I require rest because I can't just exist nonstop. But as we're entering a bull market, I'm going to test that theory. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and sleep only maybe 15 minutes a day, but I've got (laughs) these sleep patches. They're going to give me the best freaking 15 minutes of my life. I lost my aura ring, so I'm just a complete mess, but that's okay. (laughs) I've always, I've
0: known you for a long time. I've known you for a long time and Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever seen you sleep. You just are nonstop. You are literally just one of these guys that feels like he doesn't need sleep. Um, and I think there's another guy in the world that probably doesn't sleep just as much as you. Really? Somebody that is that is building uh, applications and blockchain technology like you've never believed. And we're joined by him today, so you're in good company, Pete. Class. Tell me about how you met Mr. Mark Smargan,
1: the CEO oh, well- of Fuse. Well, before we bring him on, I'll tell you a quick backstory. I I followed Mark since uh, all the way back in his days with ColorCoin. It was like seven years ago. But uh, now I just, you know, crypto is a small world. And uh, when you're up at three in the morning, you get to hang out with people from all over the world. So I ran into Mark over at Fuse Network. Uh, He's running the show over there. So, Mark, welcome to the Crypto 101 podcast. First of all, we'll shut up for a second. Thank you for having me. Our pleasure. So how did you wind up at Fuse Network?
2: Uh, Tell us about your journey and where you are now and where you're going. So I actually started um, something like, actually, it's more like eight years ago. And when I bought my first Bitcoin, Uh, it was only one Bitcoin because I was interested in the technology. I was doing e-commerce for most of my life. I started my first company about uh, 20 years ago. Uh, with my brother. And uh, this company is, uh, is, a, is an e-commerce provider. So uh, naturally, as an Israeli e-commerce uh, software company, uh, when I saw Bitcoin for the first time, it just intrigued me this idea that I can accept payments uh, from basically anywhere. Uh, even today, you know, if you want to accept payments from uh, US citizens, you need to be based in, in the US. Uh, un- unless you want to pay high fees, like use PayPal and stuff like that, Uh, So Bitcoin really intrigued me. And and I've been doing this uh, technology uh, ever since. Fuse is actually my fourth company and all of them are uh, dealing with payments and and online shopping and uh, trying to really see how we can bring, you know, a future where uh, there's no e-commerce and commerce. Everything is just, you know, Commerce, everything <laughs> no, just blends so seamlessly. Is that right? Yeah, I, I think we're going there. You know, some places in the world are already there, like China. Um, yeah, there's no cash anymore there, so there's no like nothing that you know. Offline payments is nothing that it's, it's something they don't really know about anymore.
0: <laughs> awesome. So I, I really like your site. Um, it's one of these sites that just truly tells me uh, it's a product for the people. It's for communities. And in fact, uh, one of the taglines that you guys have on the front of the site at Fuse.io is turning communities into thriving economies, allowing companies and communities to enable secure and frictionless mobile payments with ease. So could you tell me a little bit about the mission statement, the thing that drives you uh, and exactly the different products that you're building over at Fuse? Yeah,
2: well, I think that, that uh, Fuse is really focused on uh, like several trends kind of uh, converging into one point in time. I think uh, the, the trend that we're seeing is uh, cryptocurrency, but that's like the smaller trend. The, the bigger trend is open source tech uh, and really the fact that cash is disappearing. Maybe that's like really the, the strong driver behind a lot of the, the products, a lot of the new business models, a lot of. Problems that we enter, but a lot of opportunities also. Uh, Most of the world almost uh, instantly kind of uh, starting to move to online payments and specifically mobile payments. We just see this as a consumer demand. And, you know, the the younger generation just sees this as a natural thing. Uh, Third world countries uh, suddenly have access to, to, you know, information and knowledge and say, okay, we, we want to pay on the phone also. So cash is kind of disappearing everywhere. Uh, we don't notice this until it's gone, you know. Uh, and I think uh, right now it's the time to to really offer new types of business models for payments and offer new interfaces. And crypto is really a a tool to to reach this uh, goal, not not really the the main story here.
0: I want to I want to comment on one thing real quick because it just happened about twenty minutes ago. Uh, I went to the bank and you know, crazy, right? Who goes to banks anymore? But I needed quarters (laughs) because I have, uh, I I needed quarters, right? And so I go and I'm like, hey, I need quarters. And the guy looks at me and he kind of like shakes his head. He's like, man, you and the rest of the world, right? And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, you know, there's this whole coin shortage thing. He goes, you're not going to believe it. But we used to get $5,000 worth of quarters every week, Now we only get $200 worth of quarters every week. And this is for like a big bank branch in San Diego. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, that's insane. What's going on? He's like, well, with COVID, people realized, A, you know, coins carry germs far more than cash and they carry germs far more than Bitcoin. That's for sure. Um, But, you know, more importantly, he was like, and the mint closed down. Uh, The mint was closed because, you know, cross-contamination and, um, workers and all that kind of stuff so you know cash i mean again i have a whole folder of pictures of everywhere i go since covid happened and you know uh cash not accepted here contactless payment only so now this whole trend is really accelerated it's really crazy to see i mean we've been calling for a cashless society for you know half a decade here uh yeah over here in crypto crypto in the crypto world but yeah it's just crazy that now it's all finally happening but people, yeah. and i say?
1: wouldn't I wouldn't have believed that it was going to happen everywhere, but I was recently just in rural Texas. And before I went, uh, I had no cash with me. And as I'm leaving my dad's house, he says, wait, you need some cash. You're going to Texas. I'm like, no, I don't. He's like, well, you should have some anyway. You know, he's almost 70 years old. He keeps cash in a box somewhere. So he gives me $200 in cash. And I said, "Okay, well, you know, better to be safe than sorry. I'll take it with me middle of rural Texas heartland of America did not even need to use a single dollar even tiny gas stations in the middle of nowhere nothing around for another hundred miles sorry please use a card yeah or use exact I, 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 change
2: only I think I think now we're realizing that uh, the biggest uh, people that were against uh, you know adopting uh, mobile payments are really like the, the people that own the companies that own the, the credit card infrastructure. Plastic cards—they were invested in one thing, so they said, "Okay, it, it works perfectly." Uh, but no, nobody really wants cash. Like it's uh, not regulators, not the consumers—you um, know, black economy and 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 tax evasion. Cash is a huge problem. Bitcoin is much more traceable. Like that's an, an even better option for for regulators. So that's really not a it's not a tough sell, you know, selling people uh, mobile payments uh, pretty much everywhere. Well, here's. Here's the real
1: question. You know, one of the biggest complaints that we get from dorks looking at crypto through the lens of an empty toilet paper tube or some, you know, really ignorant point of view is, you know, we've only been building base layer protocols. Crypto's is unusable. Uh, there's no end user applications. But that's not true anymore. Like we have things like the Brave browser with millions of users. We have Props Network with millions of users. And now we've got Fuse Network. So is crypto ready for mainstream
2: adoption finally? So I think it's, uh, it's in the process. Uh, definitely uh, much closer to mainstream adoption today than in the last uh, rally three years ago uh, in 2017. I think back then uh, the trade-offs were re- really uh, clear. Like it's either comfortable or decentralized or it's cheap and de- or decentralized. You couldn't have like both. Comfortable, uh, fast, and, and and easy to use, and decentralized. So I think decentralization kind of became this uh, binary thing. Uh, people usually judge stuff like uh, on a on a on a binary uh, scenario, but that's not really the the reality. And today we're much closer to being uh, um, um, to being fast, cheap, and easy to use, but still. Um, can offer the benefits of being decentralized. You know, sometimes there's no benefit uh, for being decentralized. What FUSE is trying to do is build non-custodial wallets, give them in the hands of local operators, and offer a Stripe alternative to them that is much, much cheaper. Uh, But uh, they don't need to be based in the U.S. Uh, they They don't need to have a money transmitter license. They can't touch any private information. They can't touch any money so they can really uh, build a lot of things uh, with fr- in fraction of the cost uh, and not be centralized and then be you know dealing with gdpr dealing with uh, with uh, regulations with licenses so there's a lot of uh, uh, pros that you need to evaluate uh, very carefully so today it's much more uh, closer to mainstream and it's a little bit bit like linux uh, you know it was uh, 10 to 15 years ago you would ask somebody about Linux. it so would say the same. Like uh, Windows is much more comfortable, uh, or Mac. Uh, today everybody uses it, and it kind of scaled the internet. You know, if I go to Facebook, there's Linux service on the back end. If I use my mobile phone, there's Linux underneath the surface. So people really use it without knowing there's there's uh, this open source uh, soft like piece which is very important underneath the surface. Uh, it's really transparent to them. Uh, Just like I don't care what, like if it's stripe or square or Visa behind the scenes, I don't care how much fees the merchant pay as a consumer. Uh, Same goes for crypto. The crypto needs to replicate centralized experience and make itself comfortable to to consumers, and they they will just get more services in more places. That's that's the real uh, you know the the real uh, important uh, um, and uh, and you know impact. Amazing. I really want to stop and focus on.
0: Open source because that might be a common word to us, but to any 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 person maybe listening, they might not really understand that crypto is open source or even what open source means. So specifically, I'm curious. Like, I want to know from your perspective why is open source so positive? Like, what is it about this sort of? Because for instance, I was talking to one of my uh, engineering friends, and he was like, "Crypto is open source." Like. Like, that seems like it would be bad. Like, when, shouldn't like the better software be proprietary and a closed source? Isn't it easier to hack and all that kind of stuff? So, can you kind of talk about the value add that open source really brings?
2: Yeah. So, open source is not nothing new, really. It's not invented by crypto. It's like 20, 30 years ago, Richard Stallman was, was the pioneer of, of like the open source movement and, and, and people co- coined the name. Um, and it's kind of it goes hand in hand with public standards, uh, so, how do we standardize code with open source? That's that's like really in a nutshell. Uh, how can we build infrastructure um, or protocols or like even you know stuff like SSL? You know, how do we secure websites? Um, not it, it's not advisable for every company to build it by their own. If we want to keep uh, stuff interoperable, like the internet is really based on those public standards being open. So naturally. A big piece of every infrastructure becomes open source. So a big portion of the internet today is open source. If you look at WordPress, uh, one of the most popular uh, software stacks for, uh, for building the, the, the websites, but also the operating system, Linux. I think with crypto, uh, the, the real addition is how do we make an incentive for stuff to, to keep open source, to keep being open, to keep being public. You know, there's a lot of projects that close source or abandoned. How can we uh, trust a project long term uh, and have a real strong economic incentive uh, for that to be to stay open? And I think uh, Ethereum was what like one Bitcoin and Ethereum, but mostly Ethereum in terms of of, of developer adoption. Uh, that kind of was like a signal. Uh, that kind of uh, gave everybody else in the ecosystem uh, uh, a very strong signal, just uh, sh- seeing the sheer you know uh, adoption of developers around the, their open source code base, and everything, almost everything built on top of Ethereum and uh, Ethereum itself uh, has a very strong incentive to to show that signal that uh, there's developer adoption. So once they close source, the uh, if they close source any, any part of it, uh, it stops being an interesting uh, product. You know? uh, developer adoption in crypto is one of the main you know, signals that the project will succeed. Um, and the, I'm oversimplifying, but that's like in a nutshell.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, let's shift directions for just a minute. And let's talk about some finance and stuff because uh, what Bryce mentioned earlier, you know, we're you're trying to turn communities into micro economies at Fuse. Can you yeah. walk us through what that process is like? And then also, you know, we're also moving as a world towards a more global economy with LinkedIn supply chains. You've got China's Belt and Road Initiative, five G, IoT, central bank digital currencies, like everything in the world is now going to link together somehow. Is there still room in a global economy for micro economies, and can you break yeah. down, you know, what really is a micro economy?
2: Yeah. So uh, three questions. I'll start from uh, from the second one, but uh, I, I think I, 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 there's an easy explanation. So first of all, actually, uh, since the Corona started, there's much more emphasis on, on local economies uh, and much less emphasis on globalization. I think globalization was really the trend. Until, uh, you know, Corona gave us a big slap on the face uh, and suddenly people can't fly. And, and I think, uh, especially if you're living in a small country like Israel, you, you suddenly uh, get a lot of, uh, of thoughts. Uh, Israelis like to fly. And I think, uh, um, you know, if we're looking at, uh, at global versus local, um, you know, it's really hard to, to, to notice. But there are actually more countries over time. There's more local authorities. There's more authority to to local entities. Uh, this is a trend uh, that goes hand in hand with globalization. So yeah, people are coming like closer, and you travel to the other part of the world, and you travel more frequently, and you, you, you suddenly everybody speaks English, and everybody have the same like Facebook and WhatsApp, and and use the same. Uh, basically, our cultures are kind of blending. Um, but the way I see it, that. Gives even like that's even more empowering to small economies and to uh, places in the in tol- in developing countries. Uh, there's a famous uh, economist, uh, Friedrich Hayek, which uh, which is one of the, the the crypto community would absolutely love him. He was uh, uh, the rival of, of Keynes and got a, a Nobel Prize, but he was the father of like Austrian economy. and He, he had a famous. Uh, um, uh, a famous saying that uh, like it, it was called the, the local uh, knowledge problem uh, he, he basically uh, wrote in this book that uh, local entities will always make better decisions with money than centralized entities because centralized uh. entities always make uh, decisions based on aggregated data and retroactive, you know, retroactively uh, if you want to allocate funds in the best way you need local people to, to have the authority to do it I subscribe uh, to the same line
0: of thinking. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, so really, uh, we're thinking about stuff. You know, uh, uh, most of the world in a lot of places don't have credit cards, um, and uh, banking is still being done. You know, with a uh, with a piece of paper, and somebody like agent banking, somebody writes down uh, who got what. You know, just uh, want to give tools to people. You want to improve trust. You want to basically scale this. Uh, You need to go to digital, you know, everywhere. Uh, That's really uh, the only way. And also, if you want to regulate this, paper is not really a good way to regulate anything, you know.
3: Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone.
5: Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.
2: Taxes and Excel spreadsheets and invoices and collecting, collecting taxes is very, there's a lot of friction there also. Like every part that is not digital has a lot of friction. So I think, uh, you know, it's not competing with central banks or governments. Uh, if somebody wants to launch a loyalty program, that's a, that's a, a microeconomy. Every voucher printed on a piece of paper, uh, you ask what's a microeconomy, that's basically like the very minimal uh, definition and, and you know, 30% of the retail market is loyalty. So the discounts and vouchers, pretty much also universal, every one of them, even like Facebook groups uh, is, is a tiny microeconomy, uh, secondhand marketplaces, online or offline, there are microeconomies. Um so we're really looking into some uh, like a very broad definition.
0: No that that's extremely helpful. That might, you know, be the most helpful tidbit in my mind uh of this, you know, of this conversation is like kind of understanding that the that capital gets more efficiently allocated when it's on smaller scales and I think that's really really a cool idea and I want to know about um if there have been people or customers or communities that have used Fuse and maybe some of the successes or some of the cool stories that you guys have heard that turned a local community kind of around or something like that? Yeah.
2: So first of all, uh, we're seeing in the middle of Corona uh, a big push to to build like those uh, local vouchers, uh, alternative uh, means of payment, especially since uh, um, what you said about uh, the cash not being uh, uh, used anymore in the middle of Corona. There was a very strong right. uh, uh, push for uh, those local vouchers. China did something like that, digital vouchers. But what if uh, uh, a city, which is one of the poorest in, in Spain, uh, working with a local charity organization there, uh, and they want to do digital, digital vouchers and their only alternative is visa uh, or just print it on a piece of paper or just use a voucher that is uh, minted or issued by a big uh, retail group which is very popular everywhere. You know, you have those like money vouchers you can go and, and shop in, in big uh, retail shops. And this is something we launched with them in the middle of Corona uh, in a marketplace in Seville, in Spain. Uh, we have a really cool video of them uh, actually using it and it's really early stage, but the idea is it's, it's not, uh, you know, non-profit. Uh, it's a for-profit uh, um, enterprise. And the whole point is that any, any person there it uh, doesn't need to be a crypto um, a person can deposit money into the this wallet and get a cashback uh, every time he pays. So uh, the, the real idea here is, ha- is, is that we can launch really fast. We can offer a solution, uh, you know, for uh, charity donations, for uh, uh, payments that is much more transparent. So people can actually see where their money goes. Uh, and you can kind of program this in a way that you can spend it in specific areas or you have limitations on spending it, let's say that you have like a month to spend it. Uh, so Europe still does cash handouts you know, with physical cash. Uh, so in Europe, they don't have food stamps or something like that um, in most places. So the, the, the real option is to, to launch something like this and make it for profit and create sustainable business out of it. So this is uh, all powered by Fuse and launched in a few days in, in, in Spain. That's like one, one small example there yeah. doesn't. It's, it's always good. It's always helpful
0: in my mind to have these sort of different analogies and kind of like what you said, um, like an analogy is like, you know, instead of having the government issue food stamps, for instance, um, which is something that, you know, a lot of people are familiar with. Um, you could now have a platform like Fuse where, you know, you and your friends or you and your local community can get together and you could issue these new sorts of currencies um I like the, I like those analogs. Oh, right? you, you, know?
2: you, you don't even need to issue your own currency like that's really the the cool thing you can only, you can decide to use uh, dollars you can decide to use uh, you know something backed by dai or usdc or tether or or uh european stable coins uh the whole point here is that uh, you can decide what would be the fee structure maybe you'll cover all the transactions and show people ads you can create your new business models because you remove a big part of the cost, you remove Visa out of the system, out, out of the equation. You remove Stripe, you remove PayPal, you remove Blade, you remove Square. Those are all very expensive services. Suddenly, you don't need to pay like 2.9% every time you're moving money around. And this money can circulate. So not only to the business, but also P2P. Let's say you want to create a really cool use case that we recently seen a company build on Fuse. is. A football fan app where they can actually, you know, support the players, buy stuff at the stadium. Uh, do a little bit more than uh, yield farming or, or, or you know, staking. Uh, they're actually supporting the players, especially in the Corona times. People are are, are looking for new business models. This is really the the, the idea here. If you remove, uh, you know, this uh, very centralized, very expensive services from the equation, you suddenly have room for new business models that can really earn money, so it's not, a, it's not a non-profit or something like that. Wow, that, that makes a it, lot of sense.
0: It, it really does, and, and I, I was just gonna ask, Pete, you can go, um, I was just gonna ask, is there a fee for, you know, you know? I wanted to spin something up for Crip Nation, maybe, right? Like, is there a fee that I, that I would have to pay for doing that, or how, how, do, you, uh, how do you guys make money, I guess it, is the question.
2: Yeah, so the whole point was to build a network uh, start from the, the network uh, uh, first, like bottom up. Uh, the network charges one cent per transaction. So uh, the, the, the costs are negligible. Other than this one cent, uh, you can use the entire software stack for free. Front end, back end, uh, iOS, Android, everything comes out of the box for free uh, and will remain free forever. And this is how, this is why basically we tie the token into, into the system. Because uh, we want this to remain free forever, uh, so the network is operated by validators, not by one entity. So the costs are like distributed. Uh, we're not the gatekeepers, and there's not one company. Um, you know, with services that deal with payments, you have also always the risk that one company will make all the money from the data or, or, or from the fees or from the selling uh, the, the the code. You know, the infrastructure. Um, but it's not like that. Like you can have. Thousands of companies providing services on Fuse. the network will always charge one cent per transaction, so we plan to reach one million transactions a day three years from now, and we have a scheduled plan uh, on how to reach it by focusing on like the long tail of, of communities, the long tail of, of local economies um, and we want to start it with uh, you know pilots that really bring out the the, the advantages, like places like an island. An island is the best example for a microeconomy. Like any island in the world, small island is a microeconomy. So uh, those are perfect uh, test beds for products like Fuse. And uh, this is like where our, some of our go-to-market strategies is, is, is going to those places that can showcase what we're doing. And then they have a lot of transactions. They need to pay one cent per transaction to the network. Doesn't matter if you're moving one million or one dollar always one cent.
1: I had the pleasure of playing around with a few Studio last night to try and build my own community and see uh, just how it all worked, get some hands on. And I thought I'd have to have some kind of development experience and I'm going through the docs. No, it's all like a graphical interface like Wix. So there was no coding needed. It was really simple. I could change the colors around. I could put up my own logo, no big deal. I could mint my own tokens or import my own Ethereum tokens. It was a very familiar experience if you're familiar with Ethereum, but without having to pay Ethereum gas fees, which are a huge problem right now. So we get finally the benefits of an Ethereum app without having to pay the gas fees and ETH that are over $20 at some point right now. So A, that's amazing. And then B, I think it's really cool that you have like a business directory and who owns the business. And it allows people to see what services are in this community right off the bat. This is something that I tried to put together with uh, several groups of friends of mine like a several years ago not even knowing you know microeconomies were a thing really but I just thought it'd be really cool if someone I knew or someone you know with a couple degrees of separation was a plumber or a contractor or a mechanic Uh, I could just go to them and keep the money circulating in this little pool so everyone else I knew could thrive and help each other out. There's a a degree of trust there. If you got a buddy of a buddy, you know they're probably going to do a better job and not screw you over or whatever the case is. But there was no centralized repository to keep track of that information. It fizzled out. But with Fuse, it's all right there and everyone can very clearly see it and interact with it and pay for it. So – it's very very interesting. Um, I would say the closest thing to something like this would be Venmo, but Venmo is only available in the United States. It's centralized, and you can keep a bunch of stuff private. But Fuse has a very similar kind of feel to it. I'd have to yeah.
2: say, I like. I think it a lot. That Venmo, Venmo Venmo is a really good example because it's really not uh, like it, that's the example of why payments are like an unsolved business problem. Because Venmo doesn't really make money. It was bought by PayPal. Uh, and uh, now it's, it starts to work, on the, work with merchants more. And you know, it, it, it kind of found a new goldmine for data, but without like, a real way to make money from it. Because people expect to, to do payments for free. Uh, and you can't really innovate when you're building something that's, you know, that big on a, on a country level. Uh, but on a local level, you want to do mutual credit Everybody knows everybody, you don't need Equifax to hold your credit score, you know? Um, like if everybody knows everybody, somebody can, you know, deliver a product that would be much better than anything else that uh, would be offered by any national bank. Now, just one small example. Uh, so we think that, you know, the future of financial services is, is those open source uh, platforms, not necessarily Bitcoin, not necessarily Ethereum. It's really the infrastructure. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. Well, we have uh, only five minutes left here, and we have a couple questions that we like to ask everybody who comes on the platform. But before I get to those two questions, uh, I want to ask about the Fuse token. Um, real quick, high level, is there is there, a to- I, I think I remember seeing that there's going to be a Fuse token, and then just quick uh, recap
2: about what the role of that token would be. So we launched uh, uh, last year, but we didn't do a token sale. We raised inequity. equity and now we're doing a, a token, re- token release. Um, we didn't want to raise money on a white paper. So we, we tried to build the network. build Smart man. <laughs> yeah, bring adoption and then, and then deal with, uh, with the public sale. Because again, there's, there's really this uh, vision of, of not holding uh, every you know, user that data and being the gatekeepers of, of this data. And, that's really the, the important part. This infrastructure will stay free. Uh, so we're doing um, um, a public release uh, in around October. So we'll, we'll, we'll uh, announce that uh, um, soon. Um, and uh, more details to come. But that's really the, the vision, to, to have a token. Anybody in the world that wants to partner with Fuse doesn't need to sign any contracts. And we're seeing people from... You know, friendly and unfriendly countries buying the token, using it. They don't need to deal with signing any contracts. You know, once they buy the token, they're we're aligning our interest, in our long-term vision. And also they own part of the infrastructure they're building on and they can anticipate the cost because it's always one cent. So those are things that are very important to explain to people that you use an infrastructure. It wouldn't cost like 10X in a year from now. It's not an investment as it is in our partnership. Beautiful.
0: Very well said. I'm excited to, uh, to keep tabs on it. So October, uh, I will be searching Twitter and Google and everything just to make sure I'm on top of it. But uh, uh, Mark, real quick, um, one of the questions that we like to ask everybody is, of all the companies in the crypto space, apart from your own, what's that one company that just continues to impress you Continues to inspire you, and you think
2: is going to have a tremendous impact on the world. So um, that's a que- like a lot of early stage companies come to my mind, but they're not really relevant anymore. So I don't think I don't think they 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 they, they deserve like you know you look at companies that are super impactful like uh, you know when I look at uh, MetaMask and uh, Infura. Uh, to consensus companies. And basically, a lot of early-stage consensus companies were uh, really important uh, in the fact that they, they also signaled this kind of like mass adoption and, and, and usage and metrics. Um, and today, I would say that, uh, that one of the most impressive companies uh, that I uh, think that will you know, be a little bit more long-term sustainable because I don't really think that Infura and Metamask will, will you know, be with us for that long um i see as uh, like more of an infrastructure side the the uh, the graph if you know this company uh doing really cool stuff for using their infrastructure also they they're really amazing in, in in the sense that they kind of build a piece of code that is being used by most projects and it's really not not trivial they they really solve a big uh, pain and offer this uh, open source and they have a really interesting model with uh, uh, how they build their network around that um Argent is really cool. Uh, Uniswap is really cool. Uniswap, I think, uh, also will not be with us a long time because it's like it's became very. It's like it reminds me of the Pirate Bay, uh, but uh, but you can really stop it easily. <laughs> like I, I I I really love the the approach, and I think it would be forked millions of times and 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 will you know kind of disappear. I, I'm 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 hoping not, but it's really like doing a lot of work to. Like if you remember Ether Delta, yeah, uh, Ether Delta got shut down by the yeah. by the Feds. But, yeah. um, what, but what's really cool? Is somehow beating Binance, beating, uh, Case, like it's re- like so far it's one of the best uh, success stories. They took something really simple, basically one contract, uh, yeah. and, and and into something amazing. So th- those are the examples I'm looking for. Argent, for instance, is a big inspiration for us. The the Ethereum wallet um we really like the user experience we, we're actually using their contracts behind the scenes in our uh product uh, to keep it interoperable um they're really leading in terms of ui in crypto i think i remember when they released their early beta people came to me and said did you look at this like <laughs> so the, again bringing it closer to the first question about mainstream adoption those are the the the, the companies that help you know bring it
0: Wonderful, and I just wanted to comment on Uniswap. Um, You know, I I like to think of these protocols, all these different crypto protocols, as unstoppable protocols, and it's kind of a term that's been getting passed around. And even though you know the domain might be able to get seized, uh, the like you said, the code is open source. People could fork the code, and you know, to fork the code just means to copy and paste it, spin it up under a new uh, URL or domain name, right? And you have Uniswap. Unis stunt or whatever, you're, 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 yeah. whatever you want to call Swiss it, swap and, or
1: sushi, <laughs> sushi, <swap>. Uniswitch,
0: <laughs> Uniswitch, yeah. the, the, anything. <laughs> we we can make millions. Uh, but but I like to think in a, a really good idea or a good analogy for crypto and these unstoppable protocols is something that everybody's familiar with, and it's the Hydra. You cut off one head, and seven heads grow in its place. Right? You guys saw it in Hercules, or you guys saw it in Captain America. It's unstoppable. You cut off one head and seven grow in its place. So yeah, that's that's an analogy I want everybody to, as they turn the podcast off, to think with. That is why cryptocurrency is so, so powerful because
1: it cannot be stopped.
2: And resilient. I
1: love that. Yeah. If this was the first podcast that someone had heard who was just getting into crypto, what would you want them to know, Mark? And you've been around, like you said, you bought your first Bitcoin eight years ago. What do, give us some timeless lessons that you've learned
2: since then. Um, I think it would be a really a think long term, like uh, nothing will happen in the short term that has any real impact other than hype. Uh, this thing will take no less than a few decades to, to implement uh, and it will happen in, in stages you know so right now the the crypto space is super 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 tiny even if it will do 10x it will still be very tiny uh, so people sometimes forget it and you know uh, the ideas they have a big 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 impact but the, the actual size of it right now is super small so you need to take this into account that reaching like replacing gold that would mean that every bitcoin in the world will will be valued at like $1, 100000 dollars. So we're not even close to there, to being there. So uh, people need to realize that, and and uh, you know nothing will happen overnight. So I, I think the perspective of being eight years in this space and realizing what you can do uh, on Ethereum that took like a few months, uh, when on Bitcoin it took a few years, then you realize how much the space uh, progressed. But you know, just investing in this and looking at this from the sidelines. There's nothing to expect to happen in a year or two. Uh, We will not replace cash in a year. It will take longer than that.
0: Love it. Very, very, very nice words of wisdom to leave us with, guys. There's no rush, right? You guys are early. Be patient. Take a long-term outlook. um, And don't get caught up in all the FOMO. You're gonna see other people making more money. You're gonna see other people saying, this is the next big thing. You gotta buy this now. Sell this here. Guys, relax. Take a deep breath. You're in the right place. We say it every single day.
1: Hold on. So you mean I actually can sleep at night and I don't have to worry about missing out? (laughs) That's exactly right. Sweet little pizza mind. (laughs) Why didn't you tell me this before? All right, guys. Thank you so much. Yes, Mark. Thank you. Really appreciate it. We look forward to having you back on sometime very soon. But that's it for this episode. I'm going to go get the best sleep of my life. Bryce, pizza mind out.
2: Thank you. Bye.